Yeah. Uh, shout out to the athletic for being awesome. I became a subscriber this week, and finally, all the, all the yeah, all the details, all the things, all the news, all the breaking news stories that come out of the athletic first before anybody else. I finally have access to. So it only took me like two years, but it's fine. What's up, guys? We have so much to cover today on the episode with NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar. The English Premier League is back. The NFL is back. Whew, there's just so much to cover, we probably couldn't keep up with it. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy, guys. This is Red Flags and Red Cards, a podcast about racing, soccer, and everything in between. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Red Flags and Red Cards. Thank you for waking up and listening to this. I hope that you are, wherever you are. My name is Nick. Alongside me is Josh. Josh, how's it going? It's going quite well. Um, yeah, going well. How's it going there? It's going, going splendid. I feel like I talk about the weather every time, and I will this mm. time. It's like 62 degrees outside, and it's lovely. It's- it's hitting that time of the year for I'm, sure. I'm all for it. We have church softball going, um, and it was two weeks ago. There was a game where it was just the worst. It was like 90-something degrees, and I was just sweating just standing out there. And so now that we're – the last two games have been in like the mid-70s, low-70s when game time starts. I'm like, yes, we're hitting <laughs> nice. my time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I can play better when it's cooler out. <laughs> right. Uh, otherwise, I can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, not that I can do much anyway, but, you know. <laughs> You're more of a soccer have, guy. You're more of a yeah. pickup soccer guy than you are softball. Yep. Uh, well, we had a interesting weekend of, of racing. We had NASCAR at Richmond and Indy, the random Indy races at Mid-Ohio and Formula One at Mugello, which I didn't realize was the first time Formula One had ever been to Mugello. Mm-hmm. Which we'll, yeah. we'll, get into, we'll get into that. We'll first start off with... Um, yeah, kind of a boring weekend in NASCAR. Is that fair to say? Depending on how you, what you consider boring and exciting. Yeah, that's a. Yeah, it was just kind of an interesting weekend where, there. It's it it brings up that kind of hard conundrum of, like, how. How important are cautions? Like Clint Boyer was talking about kind of the need for more cautions um but that feels wrong to say you know what i mean i mean there's a point where we were complaining about cautions because they were for quote-unquote debris cautions but you never saw the debris and then when we don't get those cautions anymore magically you know we're complaining about it (laughs) right (laughs) basically we will never be happy is what it comes down to what Um, it it comes down to (laughs) I mean, it was there was good stuff going on. It was it kind of had a similar vibe, I would say, to Darlington. Um, the one difference between really the Richmond race and the Darlington race was that you had that excitement at the end of the leaders getting together and costing each other the race. Um, right. But other than that, it still kind of had the same feel. You had sort of two different tire strategies in the last stage, um, which basically worked out to pretty much everybody going on the two pit style pit stop um 
strategy. The only ones that didn't were Kurt Busch and Kenseth, and both of them kind of abandoned it, I believe, mm-hmm. about halfway through. So it kind of built some intrigue of, like, is this going to be, you know, what are the different strategies? How are they going to play out? And then everybody ended up doing the same strategy, so that lost a little bit of the coolness factor, I thought. But Yeah. Um, yeah, agree, it also... It doesn't help that, like, there's probably been, I don't know, there's some guys dominating a race are less enjoyable than others, and so Brad Kozlowski dominating isn't as fun. Austin Dillon was a cool storyline. Um, that kind of saved the race for me from a from a strategic or whatever point, just from a, a whatever point of view I'm trying to put here. Because we don't, he's kind of a dark horse. I mean, no one really expected him to to get past the first round of the playoffs. So yeah, he definitely added that story element to surprise. I'm doing well <laughs> two weeks in a row. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all to see him continue doing this for a little bit longer. Um, I think Bristol kind of plays into his hands, um, and then you never know with you know the next round is just such a a wild card round mm-hmm. in one degree. Um, cause obviously you have Talladega and the Roval. So he could be around for a little bit longer. Um, the really, I guess kind of the other big storyline was how once again, Ryan Blaney was just off. Dude, what the heck? He did not do well at all. Is he sitting last in points right now? Yeah. 25 <laughs> points out of the, below the cut line. Um, and just, I mean, they had a, was it a, they left a lug nut, lug mm-hmm. nuts off the the tire, and that got him sent like kind of to the back. But then there was just no opportunity. He like didn't rebound at all. No. So. And um, back to Dylan real quick. He said that he doesn't look forward to Richmond at all. And um, the fact that they were able to do so well, he was thankful for. But he said uh, he was like, "This is not a time to smile. We basically need to keep keep grinding and keep going." I was like, "All right, well." Take them when you can get them, but I appreciate the uh, appreciate the uh, the nose grind and, and just going for it. But that Bl- Blaney, I'm not I'm not sure what what's going on there. That I think it might just be Richmond as a track where it's at right now, where it's just because of the lack of grip, because of um, the tire fall off and all that. That just very few, if any, drivers have a good grip on the track or grasp of the track even some of the guys that historically have done there like kyle bush and denny hamlin um neither of them seem to be like having a great run of it or talk to you well about richmond even martin truex was like yeah we were terrible all day and i was like how are we in second (laughs) so yeah yeah yeah. um so that was kind of interesting how richmond's just kind of it's just that a, a season i guess of the the track where as there, a lot of car drivers were talking about the tire compound, which I think probably has something to do with it. They're trying to get to like a, trying to, for cost serving, saving purposes, like limit the number of tire compounds they have. Um, so this is the tire compound that was used at New Hampshire and used at Phoenix. And both mm-hmm. those races were great. Um, it just, for whatever reason, seemed that it didn't translate as well. And so a lot of drivers seem to be instead of like racing each other, more so racing the track. And so when somebody faster came along, they just sort of let them go, you know? Yeah. And as Richmond continues to, to wear and, and age, 
you know, I, I think that's the, that's the promise I always try to put in Richmond because, I mean, the last few years, Richmond just hasn't produced the racing that it used to produce. So, like, year in and year out, or race in and race out, I'm always like, all right, Richmond's going to be good this time. And it's kind of not. And I feel like it does have to... It's interesting that it has to do with the surface because usually when you have a track with not a lot of grip and a lot of tire wear, you get guys making mistakes. And we didn't really see mistakes. It's kind of like everyone was playing it safe. And it could be because it's that middle race in the in the round of the playoffs, so mm-hmm. people aren't trying to use up their stuff too much, and they're just trying to kind of hold what they have. And then Bristol's going to be just a cluster, probably. I hope, <laughs> right? With, you know, with guys just going for it and making mistakes and and wrecking. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll be next weekend. It'll be. I have very good feeling about next weekend's race, especially once you get past. If it's if uh, if the All Star Race is kind of a picture of it, the first two hundred laps will be wrap the bottom, but then mm-hmm. those next two to three hundred laps will be very exciting racing um, with a lot going on. So definitely looking forward to that. I think more than looking back at Richmond. Uh, there's some cool storylines with like Xfinity Series, um, seeing Allgaier have a good weekend and seeing yeah. Justin Haley. Um, compete and have a good shot at his first non-super speedway win was cool to see um and xfinity racing right now it's just a bit more on the whole everywhere you go the xfinity series is more fun to watch generally you think it's the lack of you think it's a lack of uh cup guys in the xfinity series that's making it exciting um not necessarily i think it's a lot of it's just the car um that they they have, there's also a bit more risk you can take because they have the what's it, the carbon fiber, bo- fiber Compos- bodies. Composite, composite bodies. bodies. That's it, yeah. yeah. The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, with the composite bodies, you can take a few more risks. I mean, in the Xfinity race, there was a moment on a restart where they were three wide and Ross Chastain went, I'm going to throw it in there on the outside and see what happens. And he slammed into another car and the wall and just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> so things like that all kind of factor into where and i think inexperience does help a good bit um i think the last two xfinity races there's been one full-time cup guy in it in each of them and that was um kyle bush and denny hamlin and neither of them dominated they both kind of ran second or third most of the race so right it's interesting and uh who was that one the truck race was it ben rose not ben rose it was um same team. Ah, Did you catch any of the truck race? I missed the truck race, yeah. Oh, man, it was good stuff. We had a... Grant Enfinger. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enfinger, he uh, won the first two races of the season, or the second mm-hmm. and third race of the season, and then kind of disappeared for right. a good stretch. So, playoffs are coming, and he yeah. uh, stepped I always get up thrown his game. Off. I always get thrown off that these guys don't have the same cutoff race. I kind of wish they did. I mean, I get mm-hmm. that they don't, because their schedules are different, but... They were like, yeah, the Daytona race, this is the cutoff for the Cup Series, but not the Xfinity and Gander Outdoor Series. And Richmond's the <laughs> cutoff series for Xfinity, but not the trucks. I'm like, ah! <laughs> what is what? <laughs> right. Um, so, I posed this question in our notes. Should Richmond lose a date? Due to lack of, I mean, I know this year is hard to tell with like fan attendance, because I know they base it off... They base fan attendance off of if a track can keep their two dates or one date, but clearly we haven't had any fans this year. Right. Should, you, you think they should lose a date, or you think this, they should keep two? 
Uh, I mean, it depends on what the attendance numbers are, I think. Um, I, I'm i never in f- a fan of taking a date from a short track um, yeah. unless you're giving it to one, which we'll, we'll talk about in mm. a little bit. But yeah. um, it's... I don't know. It's different. So I don't I don't think it's at that point yet. I think there's other tracks I'd take a second date from first. Mm-hmm. And it is it does have the opportunity to come back. Um, you know, we'll see what the next gen car does to the racing in not next year. Now, the year following. But that could substantially change things. Um, I mean, you look at Richmond from 2001 to 2000. 14 the racing there was usually great maybe yeah. not that long but 2011 or so and it's just for whatever reason with these cars and whether it be cars tire compound the the where where the track's at right now since certain paving jobs and stuff like that it just hasn't been great recently but i have hope that it could come back to the being the exciting racetrack it, it's been historically Right. I kind of wish they would have stuck with the one race, like the two race, two races there, one race being the day and then the second race at night. They did it for one season. I think Carl Edwards won the day race, uh, but they only did it for one season and they didn't continue it. And I was really bummed out about that because I really thought that there was something there that, you know, could have produced some some different kind of racing, kind of what we see with Bristol with night racing and, you know, one race is at night, one race is during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really hoping they would stick with Richmond with that, but yeah, I I would like to see it stay with two days day. Like you said, it's a short track, so seeing a short track lose a date is would be sad. Uh, and I always, like I said earlier, I always have hope that the tr- the race is going to be good. But you know, it, it might be one of those things where, like at New Hampshire, for instance, when you go to New Hampshire as a spectator, the racing is great all three hundred laps because you you look somewhere on the track and there's a battle happening, but TV doesn't necessarily show it. Therefore, it look it seems boring. And right. I haven't been to a cup race at Richmond in a long time, probably seven years, I think. And uh, it was one of those things, same kind of the same thing where you could watch. There's a lot of stuff going on that you could see as a fan, but TV wasn't showing it, so. I'm going to play that card <laughs> and say that, you know, maybe TV's just not picking up on, you know, the battles that are happening in the, in mid pack. Yeah. I mean, feel better. <laughs> does Richmond still have the, uh, stands on the backstretch too? No, they're gone. They, they're gone. Okay. Cause they're I it was all the way to turn almost the entry of turn four is, is gone. There's no more. Okay. I'm trying to think of when it was, I went to a race there. It was in college. Um, there was, it was a, a race where something came up in your family and you and your dad couldn't go, so you gave the tickets to me and Jason. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and that was, I mean, I remember having a great time at the race mm-hmm. there. Um, There's so much to watch, um, a lot going on. So, yeah, uh, that could definitely be the case. I feel like you sat in, you probably sat in the entrance of one. That's usually where we would get no, it. No, we were on the backstretch. Yeah, really? there was, and I, it was something. Yeah, there was something weird. Like you guys got the tickets, and like I don't remember. It was, it was, it wasn't like a usual Richmond race. You guys mm. would have gone to, and somebody oh, okay. gave you guys the tickets, or you guys like got somehow. It was, it was the middle of the backstretch, so I don't think you guys were too cut up with 
given up the tickets that week. <laughs> yeah, man, that would make sense. It was cool sitting back there. I've sat, I think I sat in the back stretch like once, and it was definitely a different point of view. I'll say that. So, yeah, BK dominated the race. He led like 100 and some odd or more. He led the most laps, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was like the one time this year that we've seen him dominate rather than just come out of nowhere and win the race. Well, the interesting thing is the only other time he dominated was um, New Hampshire, which, again, same tire compound, mm. um, short track, and both of those match up. He's uh, Somebody put out the statistic that on the low downforce um, 750 horsepower with this tire compound, there's been five races run. Brad Kozlowski's won three of them, and um, Hamlin and Harvick, I think, have won the other ones. So they were bringing up the point that if Brad gets to Phoenix, does this kind of put put him as in the category of almost the favorite because of the success he's had at these um, the tracks with this tire compound and this this same racing package? Man, what a gut punch to Hamlin and Harvick that would be if BK just comes into Phoenix and just like, yeah, I'm going to win. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all expected Harvick and Hamlin to win. That's mm-hmm. that's an awesome stat. And I think the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about with Richmond is, or just Cup Series in general, is the the bubble battle. As you yes. got um, Almirola, Boyer, um, Byron, and uh, Custer all kind of right there. Kurt Busch, all five guys battling for, out of those five, you know, three spots. Um, Matt DiBenedetto and Blaney are not quite in must win, but they're in pretty much like must finish first or second in each of the stages and yeah. finish up towards the front and have other people have problems. Um, so how do you how do you see the bubble battle shaping well, out? I'm looking at it right now, and from a who I would prefer to be there you know, B and 12 at, after Bristol. It's a toss between Clint, Matt, Ryan, and Byron. Byron mainly because he's your guy, so I want your guy to do well. Uh, Custer, he'll, he's going to be around for a long time, so I'm not worried about it. And Byron mm-hmm. is too, but I feel like this is Byron's year to really... Oh. Yeah, I don't know, because Bristol... Matt Matt D is really good there. Uh, Blaney's good there, but Blaney's just been, for whatever reason, just not hitting all cylinders and clint clint is clint you never know if he's going to do really well or messes up or or something happens to him so yeah it's a it's a it's a toss-up right now uh, what do you think um i'm i'm calling ryan blaney with the the home run shot wins the race that's just gut right. gut feeling i'm so i'm gonna that'll be my pick on the uh the predictor app um, on nice. NBC, and um, so that's that's my gut feeling. And but you know it's, and so I think that it's it'll be tough. But Kurt Busch and Al- Almirola do well there, so I, I'm calling Blaney wins it, and it basically shifts down because um, Boyer and Byron are okay there. Custer still a rookie, so you, he could have a big improvement from his earlier performance. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because all it takes is. You know, one little, one little thing where if, um, if like, no one's really too safe until you get maybe like Elliot and Bowman have a bit more of a security, but like Kyle Busch, you know, he's not that far ahead. So if 
Boyer and Byron use some pit strategy, cautions fault the last time, and they go on to finish in the top three in the in a couple stages. And Kyle Busch or Almirola don't get you know miss out on points. You could have a really exciting battle coming down towards the late in the race, um, where you could potentially, or if you know something gets stacked up on a restart and Kyle Busch gets dumped or runs in the back of somebody in the radiator, we could have a situation where Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney both fail to make it out of the first round, which would be absolutely insane. That'd be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Busch not making it to the first round would break every bracket that anyone made this year. Yep. Yep. Including my own. (laughs) Yeah. So... So I don't know. I'm I'm not expecting much movement, but I mean everything's so close that all it takes is one mistake and you're you're out. So right, that's what makes us so great. Uh huh. Oh, there's five Fords in the top twelve right now. Ford is doing well. <laughs> yes, they've had a great year. <laughs> um, so back to Auto Club. In case you haven't heard, since it's been what a week, week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that went, that went by fast. Uh, Auto Club Speedway is right now a two-mile oval, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it yeah. is being converted into a half-mile oval. It's basically if uh, there was a love triangle between Richmond, Bristol, and Martinsville, and that's the <laughs> track that it formed. Um, super cool. Uh, the front stretch is like the smallest of dog legs. Uh, back stretch is... Like the back stretch, or you know, the front and back stretch at Martinsville is just a you know, very straight shot out of turn two and into three, and the turns are, are kind of pinched. I know that they're working on, uh, you know, what degrees they should put the banking at right now because they did some simulations on <clears throat> on i racing and they weren't thrilled with the results. Is that right? Yeah, basically they were um, trying to have. A bit more Martinsville-like straightaways, but with Bristol-like turns. And because of the banking, they weren't quite going as intense. Bristol's banking is, depending on who you ask, but most people, it's between 25 and 27 degrees. Um, And so they're looking at doing it around like 22 or 24 degrees. And basically, it was making it a one-lane track around the inside. So they've flattened that out where they're, I think, around 18 to 20-degree bankings. Um, It's about 18. Yeah, and uh, but it'll have the tighter corners. So I think it's going to be, like you said, it's basically a hybrid of the three short tracks we have. Um, and like what I'm envisioning is almost, you could have, because you have the, and it's not going to be a very wide track. It's going to be 44 feet wide, um, which to put that in perspective, Bristol's about 40 feet wide and Martinsville is about 55 feet wide. So, jeez. Yeah, you're going to have a it's going to be pretty narrow. Um, So I'm envisioning almost like what it could be is uh, or not not envisioning, but like to give some imagination of what this could look like is basically turn one and two having almost a bit of an old school Bristol feel where Mm -hmm. you want to be on that inside lane. Um, You're going to have some bumping um, because of the tight exit. But then turns three and four could have a bit more of a new school Bristol Richmond feel where you have multiple lanes of passing and racing, um, which could produce some awesome effects. Yeah. Um, I, awesome I'm, racing. I'm wondering if 
if uh, coming out of turn two is going to be like Dover, where that wall just comes out and greets you, mm. you know, you shoot out of turn just because how you know, you know, they go down to the bottom there, and then when you sweep up that hill, it, the wall is there to hit you. And I don't think it's going to be a hit, like a hill, you know, with this new with this new layout. But when you go to apex that corner, I just I don't know. I feel like you might you know, might just want to shoot you out into the wall. I just random mm. thought. I don't know. It all that to say it's there's so many unknowns and there it's been what 20 some odd years or something since we've had a brand new reconstructed racetrack not just a new track on the schedule but like a new racetrack um and this this is kind of that sort of (laughs) yeah there's been some like minor reconfigurations like phoenix had a minor reconfiguration and um but the last Homestead. time it was like Homestead, yeah. But the last time we had like a full blown like this is completely different or new was Kentucky in like two thousand eight or something like that. Um, Kentucky, yeah, it was. Was it Kentucky the first, the most recent new track we've gone to? Oh, we're new new track. Yes, yes, yes. It, yeah, yeah. It was like two thousand eight. No, it was two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Yeah, and yeah, so, but then yeah. this will. Be Kentucky, you know, has some sister type tracks that are similar, but um, or like you kind of knew what to expect with the racing there, I guess. But this will be completely different, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. One of the things people have been quite upset about is that California has been of the two mile, the bigger tracks like that. California has produced some of the better racing, um, and so a lot of people were kind of disappointed with that. But the thing with that is that. It took about f- the first 15 years of racing at California were really boring, mm-hmm. um, not good races. And then finally, the track got some age in it, and it's been great, really enjoyable races for the last handful of years. Um, not necessarily in the excitement level, but like you can go to multiple lanes. There's racing throughout the pack. Drivers have really liked it. However, it was due for a repave in the next few years. And so I think that would have, rather than creating a repave and 15 more years of boring racing. I think it's an awesome call by NASCAR to, to go and change the track, make it shorter, um, and kind of guarantee better racing on in the long run. Cause short tracks are just better. Um, right. I think it was TJ majors was saying, uh, <laughs> he's like, can, uh, can they take the pavement at California and ship it over to Michigan <laughs> and put it on the, as the new Michigan surface? Mm-hmm. They sent those guys sounded like they really they were excited for a new short track. But they were bummed that they were taking they were kind of bummed they were taking away California because, like you said, it's it's kind of uh, evolved into a, a better racing uh, surface and a better better track overall. But I think it'd be really good for that area. It, it'll probably be more more people. Uh, I've been to Fontana. It's it's not run down by any means. It's just it's just a, a blue collar town 45 minutes an hour outside of la depending on the time of day um and it, it yeah i mean i think this would this would help bring a lot of a lot of uh money and just um just new people to that area i mean i would totally fly out there for a weekend of racing at that short track oh yeah because why not why wouldn't you? right yeah uh, and it's also prime real estate too that yes. they can uh they can either take that the extra land and sell it, um, or they can put up their own warehouses and rent them out. And they will. There's as much as it is a racing move. It's also a, a fiscally smart move for NASCAR yeah. to, to 
to do that in in that area. So um, very much looking forward to that. Hopefully racing in 2022, but more than likely racing there on the new configuration in 2023. So yeah, that was a shock. Yeah, like they're like basically the drop of the checkered flag after next year's California race. They're tearing it up is mm-hmm. what it sounds like. So if it's not ready by 2022, well, we're pretty good at, you know, randomly selecting a track and throwing it on the schedule. Maybe they'll just do that. They'll right. just do that. <laughs> we're going to South Boston. <laughs> I would love that. Oh, that my would goodness. be amazing. I going to fairgrounds. I think that that's something I would love to see NASCAR Institute is like a like a true throwback weekend or short track weekend or something like that where they're going to kind of go, you know what, for one week only, we're going to throw out our minimum attendance stands and go to a local short track, you know, a South Boston or a mm. um, Irwindale or, you know, different thompson Miller speedway something like that that would just kind of throw everybody for a loop you're not going to get a lot of fans there but it would just be awesome to watch on tv it'd be cool if they did it this is logistically probably impossible without it you know leaking out into some you know into the athletic first <laughs> or whatever <laughs> um but like doing it like a secret show you know your favorite mm-hmm. band would just randomly say you know night of you know we're having a show at this venue in this city tickets on sale right now you know, and it's like <laughs> six hours before the show starts. And it'd be really, really awesome if they could do that with NASCAR. Like, I don't know, may, obviously not that, you know, that quick in advance, but like maybe like a week or something like, hey, next week we're going to, yeah, we're going to South Boston. We're going to, we're going to Bowman Gray. <laughs> yeah. And the the teams don't even know. The teams oh are like, my gosh! You said that you have to have a car ready either for like a two right. and a half mile track or a half mile track. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like you don't know. We'll tell you morning out before you're going. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Logistically, that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. But IndyCar, that's a good segue. IndyCar basically did that uh, this past weekend. Uh, that was it about a week, week and a half, maybe. Uh, they yeah, randomly was... announced, "Hey, we're going to Mid Ohio. We got the clearance, and they're allowing six thousand fans in." For each race. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Hope you have a car ready. <laughs> did you catch any of those? I did not. No, it was a, a pretty busy weekend, and IndyCar was the one that slipped through yeah. the cracks. But I know that uh, New Garden did make another little cut in uh, Scott Dixon's lead. Um, he did. So. It's like 60-something. 60, 60 uh, Willpower took the first race. Uh, Mid Ohio, and then Colton Herta won race number two on Sunday, and it it wasn't that great for me, just personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Mid Ohio has never been a favorite track of mine. It just it's kind of eh for me. Doesn't really mm-hmm. do anything for me. Uh, I think the drivers like it, but yeah, just really didn't do much for me. But hey, it was racing, so I turned it on. The I was going to save this for my rant, but I'm just going to do it right now. Uh, and I'll have another rant. Um, IndyCar needs to drop the push to pass and get some sort of DRS system. I know we don't want to copy other racing series, but I'm sorry. The push to pass, if I'm going to throw the word gimmick out there, is the biggest in motorsports. It's like, <laughs> it's just, I just I hear push to pass, like Paul Tracy talking about it, you know, whatever. He's got like 30 seconds left to push to pass. It's like, oh, okay. And then I immediately think, all right, when, where's the button to drop the banana behind him so the guy slips in the next right. corner? You know, it's very Mario Kart. 
and I just feel like DRS is more, I don't know, you have to be within a second of a guy for it to work. So that encourages you to, you know, push your car to get closer to him and push to pass is just like, I don't know. I mean, I hate having such a cynical mindset of it. And it does provide for probably better racing because they're able to get closer to the guy in front of them or, or extend a lead or whatever. But I don't know. That's all I it, have. <laughs> DR, DRS seems to kind of, it encourages trying to make a move and make a pass where like with push the pass, the pass, like it sounds great. Like you push this button to pass somebody, but it doesn't work if you're using push to pass and the guy you're trying to pass is also using push to pass. It just kind of is like, you know, and even one other thing that's bothered me with IndyCar is there's been times where push the pass or the push the pass button is a, it's publicly known. And so I'd, you'd be listening to the radio of the guy in the lead and he'd like his spotter would be telling him or his engineer would tell him when the other his opponent is on push the pass so that he would also go to push the pass. And so they'd stay at the same kind of the same time frame. So I think right. some type of adjustment wouldn't be bad, yeah. I think, um, at the very least, or to make it actually a, a push to pass button, not just a boost <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's like it's like a uh, nos or something in your you know in your little sports car or something that's just i don't know i'm just i i hate i hate to do like have the separation of indycar and nascar and other racing leagues and whatnot but this is the one thing that separates me a little bit from indycar it's like mm. you're gonna you're gonna give nascar a hard time for not being authentic with the green white checkers but you have pushed to pass Hmm. okay <laughs> all right whatever dude but the uh the other big thing um from the weekend with indycar is colton harda uh won the second race as a part of a uh, podium sweep for andretti motorsports yeah, good for them andretti finally yeah. smiling in an interview mm-hmm. he always seems so depressed i was very happy for him yeah he got first and rossi second and hunter ray got third yeah so it was cool to see it's been just a, a not a the speed's just not been there for Rossi or things have kind of happened um, outside of his control or some of it inside of his control, but it's been kind of a disappointing year from a fan perspective. So to see him um, get a grab a third and a second over the weekend was encouraging for sure. Um, hopefully he can grab a win before the year's out. Um, obviously not competing for the championship currently 226 points out of the points lead, <laughs> but you know, and they've got uh, three races left. Two races at the uh, Indy Indy Road Course, and then they finish the season off in St. Pete. Awesome. Which, uh, so that should provide. I think that'll provide some good racing. I really like that Indy car um, or the Indy Road Course plus St. Pete is just a crazy, amazing racetrack in and of its own. Mm-hmm. So that so that'll be fun. But uh, speaking of podiums, Alex Albon over in Formula One got his first podium. With Red Bull, after an insane, if not the only time it happens, Mugello Grand Prix, how'd you think? What would you think of those highlights? It was wild. Oh my goodness! There was they had there was three starts in the race. Uh-huh. They had two uh-huh. red flags that they then had a, a clean start from. I'm like, what is happening with with F one this year? This is wild. Um, yeah. oh, and it's insane. Yeah, and then uh, um, the drama with. Um, the Altery with the restart, people in the back complaining about him. Um, you know, the Max getting wrecked in the very second turn of the race. It was 
it was nuts. It was hard to follow just with the highlights. I can <laughs> imagine yeah. that the, um, other than obviously, you know, Hamilton, that part was kind of chalk, so but other than annoying. that, <laughs> it's like, good. Like, I love that you're so good at what you do, but, ah, it's like, it's like when you go to a new track, you're like, all right, new track. No one knows how this track's going to be under racing conditions. So we're all on a level playing field. It even still, he won the freaking thing. Like, yeah. Ah. But, uh, yep. yeah, the whole thing with Valtteri on that restart, I mean, as shoddy as it was, he had every right to do what he did because mm-hmm. you are the starting car right up until that start-finish line. So you control the field. So because it's not his fault that the back, back marker guys decided to kind of lay back and then get into the throttle and cause chaos you can't really you can't fault him for that i was i was definitely on the commentator's side with that it it would yes it was a scary wreck i mean if you watch the onboard with carlos science it was mm-hmm. it was it was kind of scary but uh he had every valtry had every right to do what he did so i think it ended because of that was it that wreck or I can't. I lost count of all the wrecks. No, it wasn't that wreck. But at the end of the race, I think there were thirteen cars or twelve still rolling and mm-hmm. not in shambles. Um, <laughs> did you see the the uh, Lance Stroll wreck and how that unfolded? Yeah, Whew. yeah, that was brutal. That's two weeks in a row where there's been wrecks, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. Yeah, that is terrifying. Um, again, shout out to the safety innovations and all that because. Whew. That yeah. was intense. How that, well, they showed a slow-mo that says left front tire went out. And when he, and, th- and those cars just lose so much control because they're pulling so many G-forces through those corners. So they, so you, tire blows, you're not going to really be able to control much. Also, tire blowing in Formula One is not that that common uh, week in and week out. And the way he hit that tire barrier, how it like folded the car. And you could tell he got knocked loose a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, because it took him a second to get out of that car, but like you said, the 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 safety of these vehicles is it, absolutely incredible. The Halo, uh, I'll always sing the praises of the of the Halo. Um, no pun intended there. Angel Halo praises. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and yeah, it was uh, insane race. But um, so yeah, that's kind of what happened. Uh, Daniel Ricardo. Man, as a Daniel Ricciardo fan, I was so pumped for this because he was he was on his way to a the first podium for Renault since 2011 and the first podium for him since 2018 after winning at Monaco, and he fell short. It was really thanks to that to that uh, final red flag. He uh, he had a good lead on Albon before that before that red flag, and I think there was roughly 10 laps to go, and I think he was, I I feel like he was going to be able to hold him off, but Albon just had just a little bit more oomph and energy after that final restart and got <clears throat> got around Danny Rick and got got Albon's first podium. So that was cool for him. He got his first podium. Uh, a lot of people have been questioning his uh, his performance at Red Bull and whether or not he was, you know, going to lose that ride, which uh, I did see. I, I didn't click the article, but I did see a headline saying that Red Bull had been talking to Sergio Perez of coming over Red Bull and possibly taking Albon's seat, which leads us into Sergio will be leaving Racing Point at the end of the year, and Sebastian Vettel 
will be taking over his seat, and it will no longer be called Racing Point. It will now be called Aston Martin. Ah. Ta-da. There you go. <laughs> I'm really excited. Those cars are going to look sweet. They're like, you know, that classic Aston Martin hunter green color. So, um, really cool for Vettel. A lot of people were, were really bummed for him that he was leaving uh, Ferrari, but if you've been following the sport at all, you know that Ferrari's not doing well, and Vettel has not been happy there. If I had to guess, probably within the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think his move over to Racing Point is going to be good for him. I think he'll be happy there, just something fresh, something new. Because uh, I didn't I didn't want to see him leave the sport. He's just a good personality to have in there, and just he's just a great race car driver. I mean, he's a four time champion with Red Bull, and uh, Racing Point uh, throughout the years has become more competitive, especially this year. And uh, I think it's a good move for him. He, he might be having, he'll definitely have better finishes than Ferrari next year because Ferrari have already said the package they have this year is pretty much what they're bringing next year until the mm. <clears throat> the new cars in 2022, whatever year. I don't know what year it is anymore. <laughs> right. is it 2021 yet? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Perez. I know McLaren is targeting him for their IndyCar team with McLaren Arrow. I did hear that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that. That I'd be all for that as well, having Perez come on over here. But yeah, uh, totally. Um, so yeah, very cool for for Albin though. That pass he had on Ricardo was excellent on the outside oh, yeah. in turn uh-huh. one. Yeah, a lot of guys were pulling that off. They weren't sure mm-hmm. if uh, guys were going to be able to hold off on that. But uh, it turned out to that was a a great race. Apparently, that track is in, is very tiring for those drivers because they're full throttle, like sixty sixty five percent of the uh, or in the throttle sixty sixty five percent of the of the lap, which is a lot, because mm. uh, they're going through those corners, um, maxed out. So, or the the S curves like maxed out. So they were pulling a lot of G forces and really tired. And the the onboard audio with Ricardo after qualifying, he was like out of breath because of how hard he was pushing. So I can't imagine what fifty nine laps looked like. Even though they got two red flags to kind of chill out <laughs> uh, twenty minutes <laughs> twenty minutes at a time. But uh, Mm -hmm. those guys have the next week off. Good for them. They've done nine races in the last 11 weeks, which logistically that is insane uh, when you're going all over Europe. uh, Right. And uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend they go to Russia for the Sochi Sochi Grand Prix. Hopefully that turns into a good race. Sochi has not proven to be that exciting of a race, but hey, it's racing and we're going to watch it. And that's that's kind of Formula One. <laughs> yeah. So we'll uh, we'll keep the a little bit of the racing going, conversation going, but then we'll transition to other sports here with our segment. Play on yellow card, red card. Um, so I'll give a statement or say something to Nick, and he'll, if he likes it, say play on. Um, if he's conflicted on it, has differing, you know, has split views, he'll give it a yellow card. And if he's against it, red card. Um, so we'll begin with, like I said, staying in the motorsports world. Um, Jimmy Johnson signs a two-year deal with Chip Ganassi to run predominantly the road courses, but possibly some other series um, for IndyCar and other series. You know the answer to this. Yeah, that's a play on. Play on <laughs> all the way. I am so I am following him so closely next year. I am so pumped for him. I, two years, man. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Maybe he'll maybe he'll do some Formula One after those two years. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't care if he's doing like Formula Three, whatever. Right. Um, and the interesting thing is that it includes he might run some Cup races too. 
okay. for Ganassi, which would just be, you know, if he wants to do what he wants, which is cool. Um, I do it at well. <laughs> next one, I think, uh, will be in the same vein. Bubba announces that he will be moving on from Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, yellow card. Here's the yellow card. We don't know where he's going, and it's killing me. <laughs> Other than that, I am so for this. Um, mm. I think it was a great move. I don't. I mean, RPM just historically is, you know, it's just cool to be tagged with the RPM name. But uh, I, from a performance standpoint, he's got he's got to move on. He's got to, yeah, he's got to get into some better equipment. And I think it was a real good move for him. All right, next one. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm starting to have a gut feeling that Hendrick is going to be the landing spot, but we'll, we'll see. Oh. Um, so next one, Washington football team may become the permanent name of the Washington football team, according to Dan Snyder. Red card. Someone, uh, my brother-in-law sent me this article from Yahoo Sports, and I don't like saying the word hate because it's strong. But I, my first reaction was, I hate him. Um, <laughs> I do not know this man, but he just continues to make the dumbest remarks and just, just, uh, just bad decisions. He. So he says, I read the article and he said that um, we're going to see how it goes. And um, if fans, you know, if they embrace it, yeah, we'll keep it. This is the same guy that said he would never buckle under pressure to get rid of the Redskins name. (laughs) So the rumors I've heard is the names that they were thinking of, like Red Tails and I don't know if it's Warriors, whatever those names were. Some dude bought those names and therefore they like trademark them or whatever or bought the rights to those names and made the prices astronomical for someone to buy them. That's the rumor mm. I've heard. I don't know if it's true. Uh, so, I yeah, red card to that. And also red card to the announcers who just keep saying Washington football team. Just say Washington. We know who you're talking right. about. Right, right. We don't ever say, you don't always say, you know, Chicago Bears. You say Chicago, or the Bears. Yeah, or the Bears. I mean, if if we're gonna if we're gonna play off that, we'll say the football team. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Christian Pulisic becomes the first American to wear number ten in the EPL. Again, this is an easy one. I just wanted to talk about this. (laughs) Play, play on. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Such a a cool story for Pulisic to. can you provide some background that. to that for those who don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, number 10 is just like the the premier number on the soccer team for the attacking forward. Um, and so that's kind of like the, the guy that typically the team um, looks to or kind of runs through in a lot of t- ways for, for controlling the, the play, looking to, to make a big play historically. Um, number 10 has been kind of the go-to guy. Um, so it's it's kind of cool that and not kind of cool. It's awesome that we finally have an American that is in one of the top teams in Europe um, and in England, and is is wearing that number ten jersey, that that cream of the crop. <laughs> um, you're right. You're right. You got it. Yes, got I'm it. right this time. Lap, lap. Yeah, cream of the crop, and then the cream of the crop. The cream rises to the top. To the top. There you go. That's the name of our next podcast. <laughs> the uh, but so to for him to reach that is awesome um we talked about Pulisic a lot i know but yeah that was just i mean i might go get a chelsea jersey because of, of this yeah that's not a bad call but i would i would buy it but i would just put it in my room 
Right. Oh, it's been a hundred dollars on it and just put it up on the wall. That's fine. Right. That's normal, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so for final one, um, going off the sports radar temporarily. So one of the things Nick and I have done historically over the years is whenever we go to a concerts, we go to a Taco Bell for food afterwards. And so this is something I was thinking of um, because the Taco Bell in Nightdale, where I live or work, um, spent a good bit of time with a 78 health rating. Um, It is now up at a 98. And so what I've come to believe is that a Taco Bell with a 78 health rating is more trustworthy than one with a 98. Play on. Come on. <laughs> you can't have a 98. Can you go in there? Can you dine in? Yeah. You can. There's like three tables open, but yeah, okay. you can go in there. The meat alone brings it down like a solid 20%. <laughs> this is coming from someone. I love Taco Bell, and somehow Absolutely. I don't eat it like once a week. I eat it I'm not, maybe twice a year at this point. Um, it's probably a good thing that Josh and I don't live close to each other because <laughs> if we did, we'd probably go to a lot of shows and then finish. you can't. It's hard for us to go to a show and not do Taco Bell. Case in point, quick ramble. Uh, we went to Warp Tour. Uh, was it 2008? I think it was 2008 because All Time Low had just released uh, Weightless. And after Warp Tour, we were like, I'm not really feeling Taco Bell, so we got Bojangles. We got Bo. We took it back to his house. Or, or in the room, in, in the upstairs, in, the, in his room. And we both sit there without saying a word, really. We're like, we gotta go to Taco Bell. <laughs> and, and this is like hours after the shows were, the show was over. And then the, whole, the, then the night was complete. And we finished it with Taco Bell and trading CDs and burning, burning the CDs and whatnot. Oh, um, so it's like, it's like you, buy, you buy these four, I'll buy these four, and we'll swap. And it, those were good days. Uh, yep. So yes, uh, this episode definitely presented by the seventy-eight uh, grade percent grade uh, for that for that Taco Bell. Shout out to Absolutely. where where what what town is that in? It's in Nightdale. Nightdale. Shout so. out to Taco Bell in Nightdale. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> um, so yeah, we got a. So how excited were you? Um, you want to go into Premier League first or? Let's do Premier League since we're kind of on this soccer trend yeah. right now. How uh, how stoked were you this weekend to have the Premier League back? Very stoked. I need to get my body back into Saturday mornings, getting up early because I try to watch all the games. I try to get up for that six thirty for you know. Thank you, Central Time uh, for mm-hmm. that six thirty start. It's very difficult, <clears throat> especially when City plays that early. I'm like, oh dang it, this sucks. Because what I try to do is wake up during the first half of whatever game it is. I don't have to be awake for the start, but as long as I'm awake before the 20th minute, I'm usually happy. It's very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And with Formula One being a week-in, week-out thing as of late, I was watching that on top of uh, Arsenal and Fulham, uh, and it was just a lot going on. All I have to say, very excited that it's back. It's such a bummer to still not see fans there. I know that that's coming eventually, uh, but it, it was weird having like what a month and a half break. It's almost yeah, like it didn't it wasn't end. lengthy. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't there wasn't that like oh finally it's back. I almost had that more with the NFL, which mm-hmm. never never happens. Um, I always feel like the NFL starts too early, and then I'm ready for the NFL come like October November. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, that the, full the Arsenal Fulham game. I watched that one the most, and then um, was able to cut, uh, catch bits and pieces. How about you? Yeah, I enjoyed it um, greatly. the uh, The Leeds Liverpool match was the first one I got to watch on um, on Saturday. I didn't have my my laptop, which has access to like all the NBC Sports stuff, with me at the time. It was at the at my office, so I uh, was able to watch the Liverpool Leeds United game, which was excellent. Lots of back and forth. Liverpool would score, and then Leeds would answer back within a few minutes. Um, so that game was just a blast to watch um, and then was able to I got the uh, free doing the free one week preview of um, Peacock TV to watch the Everton games this week. And may uh, I'm going back and forth. What I may end up deciding to do, it's not much money. It's like five dollars a month, but I may um, cut out track pass, cancel that subscription okay. and switch over to Peacock um to get more premier league games yeah so um that's something i'm considering but yeah so got to watch both those games which was um both games were well the liverpool leeds united game was so much fun um the everton game was more fun from a fan perspective (laughs) yeah but um yeah did you get to watch any of the Leeds Liverpool game? You got to watch I, the end of it, right? Yeah, I turned it on. It was like the 70th minute is when I was able to turn it on. And it was 3-3. And Liverpool dominated possession for most of that time. So, so I, it was just a matter of waiting for Leeds, Leeds to possibly have a counterattack to get you know a, a, a goal. And then I had to turn it off or just or walk away for a moment. And I came back and Liverpool had scored. And I was like, well, there goes that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did text my my tour manager, who's a huge Liverpool fan, and I was like, I was like, I see you, Leeds. He goes, man, I was sweating, I was pacing <laughs> back and forth, my heart rate was up. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's the first game of the season. We got like thirty six more to go, <laughs> <laughs> or thirty five yeah. more to go. Um, so yeah, I was able to catch a little bit of it. Uh, I was impressed with how Leeds looked, though. They didn't look sloppy, um, like to an extent for for you know, being obviously the lower league team. And, and was it the first time being promoted to the Premier League? That I'm not sure of. Okay. Let's check that out. Uh, but, it, I mean, it was a good game when I watched. It was nice seeing Liverpool not – like it was nice seeing them kind of be a little sloppy for Liverpool standards. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, one of the things that helps is a team that usually comes up to the Premier League – um, from the lower league, they've just usually had a really intense Champions League run, um, Championship League run, whatever. Championship, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Championship we got, we got run. you. And so there's this continued. So they're they're kind of in this mindset of like playing high intensity football. And so when they transition to the Premier League, that kind of keeps going. But I was just really impressed with the the lack of um, fear that Leeds showed with. Arsenal or not Arsenal Liverpool um that they were just whenever they got a chance to attack it was the full team was going there was they had understanding of where players were going and it was just they watching that game I walked away going yeah Liverpool's defense was not great and they're obviously the better team um you know much better but Leeds United definitely looks like a a middle of the table possibly even you know between up, up as high as seventh place team if they play like that all year yeah um, absolutely. now obviously it's only one game but <laughs> hey. you know it was very encouraging if you're a leeds united fan 
Yeah, so we did this. <laughs> yeah, for those huge Leeds fans, we see you out there. And uh, Crystal Palace beat Southampton. Newcastle beat West Ham. Everton beat Tottenham. I, my friend, uh, you know, or Mary Pat, she texted me mm-hmm. yesterday. She goes, hey, what's, she's like, soccer, soccer's back, right? I was like, yeah, it's back. She goes, she goes what's the team with the chicken?" <laughs> I knew exactly what she was talking about. I was like, oh, that's Tottenham Hotspur. She's like, oh, I really like that logo. It's really funny. Da, 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 da. I was like, what's a bird? What's a chicken doing on a ball? I'm like, yeah, that's that's Tottenham. They they have, they're, it's literally, it's probably one of my favorite uh, logos um, out there right now. That, Wolves, mm-hmm. of course, I like cities. And uh, mm-hmm. Lester's is cool because it's a fox. Lester beat West Brom. It's cool to see West Brom back. West Bromwich. West... Yeah, those guys. And uh, Chelsea beat Brighton. I did not do well with my my score predictions this week. I thought I did no, well. Me either. And then I, I went back and I was like, hmm, I did real bad. Some dude won like $200. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, someone did all right. Yeah. And uh, we've got, and uh, the Manchester boys on both sides did not play. They got postponed due to, uh, what was it? They had played in a European league or something, so they gave them like two weeks rest, which I thought mm-hmm. was awesome to see. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, more games on Saturday, this coming Saturday. And yeah, the APL is back. So I'm very, yeah, very excited for that. I'm kind of, yeah, I think I'm glad that Formula One's got a break this week. Then I can just watch soccer. That's, mm-hmm. that's like kind of all I want in life right now. Yeah. And, and it was. It was great fun. I want to talk about Everton real quick because yeah. it was just it was great watching for years. Everton's kind of been that like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth place team in the league, just kind of outside of the big six. And they they play well, you know, fine enough against their own level of play and play usually down to the teams below them. But they um they always just like never do well with possession. There's never like sustained possession against the big six teams as long as I've been watching. So to watch them have the second half yes or in the game Sunday um, was just they had sustained possession for long periods of time. They took the play to Tottenham and I was just like, this is what Everton fans have been dreaming of for years. So they did awesome job in the short off season, getting Jimenez and um, Allen and they kind of handled things in the midfield. And it was amazing just having a new midfield, how that completely shifted Everton's look. Um, so very excited for them this year. Um, you know, obviously it's only one match, but first time beating a big six top six team um, since 20 on the road since 2013. Or first wow. time, yeah, and um, first time beating Tottenham since 2012. So it was a uh, exciting, um, you know, don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but I have high hopes for this Everton team being uh, being in at least the conversation for the top four most of Heck the yeah. year. That's all. So. I think we could all say we would love to see that, unless you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> right. Even them, <laughs> they might yeah. come be like, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's they're, not, they're not a threat, but, you know, they're it's not cool. a threat. <laughs> They'll be like, that's cute. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet. Uh, Well, to the NHL, the Stars beat Vegas four games to one. And they're going to the Stanley Cup, and I'm not happy about it. This is the saddest thing that's happened in sports in 2020. (laughs) That's not true. But I was going to say, wow, that's a 
It's all right. <laughs> like I was like, because we have Vegas outplayed Dallas in like every game from a metrical standpoint, with the exception of obviously scoring goals, and obviously that's what matters most. But Tampa versus Vegas would have been the most fun Stanley Cup Finals ever. Yeah, absolutely. And instead, we're going to get Tampa versus Dallas, probably. By the time um, this comes out, Tampa will have already probably clinched the series, but who knows? Um, oh, yeah, that game's and, tonight. Yes. And so I'm just, like, crushed that I don't have anything against Dallas, but I really wanted Vegas-Tampa. And so the fact that that's not happening is a s- strong disappointment <laughs> in s- the sports world. <laughs> well, and the fact they went... Just, they just won one game. They didn't even win yeah. two. Right. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about it. I was just, like you said, just really looking forward to a, a Tampa-Vegas final. Even an Islanders-Vegas final. Uh, well, Vegas probably would have annihilated the Islanders, actually. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But and probably. I mean, I, I think Tampa will probably destroy Dallas. But who knows? I mean... If you would have told me at the beginning of the playoffs that Anton Kudobin would be the primary goalie for Dallas, I would have said, well, they probably got swept in round one. (laughs) And (laughs) here they are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, I mean, sports, man. Good for Dallas. Good for Dallas. Do you think... think, Annoyed, though. Yeah. Do you think uh, the fact that they're not playing in front of their home crowds is having an effect? Um, Maybe. Hockey, it's... Honestly, the area where it's the sport where it's having the biggest effect is basketball, mm-hmm. um, hockey and football. There's little evidence that home field or home ice advantage is actually a big deal. Um, in fact, football, football, it's only did we talk about this last week? I can't remember who I talked about I this know. with. But in any event, football, the only area where they have found that a team really has home field advantage is with referees. Um, so referees tend to, people always complain about referees being biased towards their team. Referees actually tend to be biased towards the home team. And it's not an intentional thing. It's just something that naturally happens as you have people cheering or booing based upon decisions that are made and calls. Um, and so it was interesting reading a a study, I believe it was done by the athletic talking about the, uh, kind of the history of how home field advantage works. Um, And so it was actually interesting because the team that people most often complain about being given an advantage by the referees is the Patriots. Um, And the Patriots actually ranked like 31st or 32nd in the league for getting refs calls to go their way. Um, The number one team that advantaged most from referees um, with home field advantage was the Carolina Panthers. Um, So... (laughs) which is really random. That is very <laughs> random. That is not the team I was expecting. Right. Um, and so it's, uh, so that's really, I think, I don't think that it's making as big of a difference. Um, short of maybe it doesn't feel like a playoff game, but I think by this point they're committed They're They, they know a Stan- trip to the Stanley cup finals is on the line and they're, they're going for it. So yeah. I don't know. So we'll see what happens with uh, the Lightning and the Islanders tonight. And uh, like you said, we'll probably have a Lightning Stars. Basically, it's going to be the Stanley Cup of uh, the elements of the sky. 
lightning stars. <laughs> um, and and then we'll just you know we'll have the finals and then we'll have the restart of or the start of the twenty twenty one season in two months. Yeah, it's uh they're talking about possibly they're initially saying like mid December, early December starting, mm-hmm. but now as the rumored uh vaccine is out there, there's talk in the NHL of pushing the start date to after Christmas to hopefully get fans in the stand um because the NHL is probably hurting most of all the sports leagues from not having f- um fan attendance revenue. Um, mm-hmm. having the, the smallest TV deals. Um, so That's I know nice. the, yeah, I know the Sabres have thrown out that they will have an, in the cap, um, salary cap is 81 million, but the Sabres are talking about having a internal cap of 70 million, which would mean that the Sabres are going to be very bad next year. Oh boy. Probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. You got, you got your one, one good year out of 20. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> Maybe 10. Right. Um, yeah, we saw a uh, a billboard the other day going down the highway for um, for season tickets for the Preds. It was like, get your season tickets. Get full or half season tickets. I was like, whoa. Really? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's good to see. It's encouraging. Yeah. I mean, take any hope, you, any glimmer of hope you can get. Yeah, I mean, I guess they have to prepare like they're going to have it just in case something changes. But. I mean, the, wor- the worst is that they just honor your tickets and you can use it whenever they let fans back in. That's probably the one sport right. I definitely... Well, that and racing is the, are the two sports I miss being able to attend. Because hockey games, I mean, you know this, hockey games are just freaking... They're just fun. You know, win or yeah. lose, they're just, they're just fun. Yeah. And it's, you get a lot of camaraderie with people you don't know, Adam. Um, it's that arena atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going long today. Sorry about it. We're going to keep going here. Um, the NFL's back, as Woo-hoo! we've already talked about. Yeah, this is the this is the first year in a while where I've been ready for it and excited for it. And and the Washington football team won after being seventeen down and came back and won. So I'm all for Rivera as our coach. I could already see changes that he has made and that they're working. Our secondary defensively is still kind of eh, but I have high hopes for that. And Haskins is is weird, but hey, if he's <laughs> going to be our quarterback for a little bit, I'll cheer for him and hope for the best from him. And I see that your Bills won. Yes, right. and yeah. yes, they made it uh, more dramatic than it probably needed to be. I mean, it wasn't really. They should have, they honestly should have probably been up like 42 nothing at halftime, and instead were only up 21 to 3, and then it ended up like they had a weird, like Josh Allen fumbled in the red zone twice on what would have probably been touchdown scoring drives, but he still had a great game through for over 300 yards. Um, the jets got to like within 11, like 11 points. And then the bills extended it again. So it really wasn't close. The jets are a bad football team, but the bills are also going to be good this year. So that was, that was kind of cool. Um, was following that one online predominantly. And then I had the, uh, the Panthers game on and I, I turned to the the Eagles. The other game we had on TV was the Washington Philadelphia game, 
and I turned it on, and it was 17 nothing Philadelphia. And I went, well, I'm not watching this. So I went back <laughs> to the Panthers game. And then at the end of the Panthers game, I look at the bottom, like, wait, what? <laughs> yep. Washington's up. So, yeah, we've got uh, 15 or 16 more weeks, 17 more, 18 more weeks of that, whatever it is. <laughs> 16 <laughs> more weeks of football. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is good stuff. They And uh, people were ready for it. Um, the the um, Saints-Buccaneers game was the most viewed Fox game of all time on Sunday. Of um, all of time? Most, of regular season game. Yeah, okay. of all time. So How many was they, it? Further. Um, I don't remember. I just remember it. It exceeded the mark for, most, I think, 16 million, maybe? That sounds around there. Um, 16.7 million, I think, was something like that. But, um, yeah, so people were very excited to get um, a sport kind of starting when it normally starts. And uh, Plus, I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's first time in a Buccaneers jersey. Um, people were intrigued. I was intrigued. He played like Tom Brady's played for the last few years, which, you know, led to a loss because they were playing the saints who played like the saints have played for the last few years, which is mm. awesome at the start of the season. And then they start to slow down. So there you go. I mean, the scores we'll are, some, some scores were high. Some scores were low. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. highest score is the Packers Vikings, 43 to 34. Uh, so that's pretty high. And then you got the Ravens crushed the Browns, 38 to six Raiders mm-hmm. Panthers, 34, 30. Yeah. Seahawks, that was a fun 20. game. The Raiders Panthers game. Raiders, yeah, it was surprisingly like like you would think, okay, Raiders Panthers, whatever. But it was just back and forth. It was it was awesome. I enjoyed the whole game. I wish the Panthers would have come out on top, but I don't care that much. It was just kind of like, yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hard to tell what we'll do. You know what what the season will be first week, but hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll kind of get a feel for who's good and who's who's not. Mm-hmm. I saw a headline yesterday that says, is Washington the best defense? I'm like, guys, it's the first week. Relax. We don't know who the best defense is right now. Or do we? <laughs> <laughs> and the Titans beat the Broncos last night. So for being a Nashvilleian, yay. I guess. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? Um. Not from the football world. I think uh, I think I accidentally just sent you a text message that failed to send last night. So if you get that, sorry. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, my phone does that from time to time. It's just like, ah, yeah, I didn't send this text message you sent yesterday, and I accidentally <laughs> bump it. It's like I'm sending it now. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> my, my conscience is clear at this point. <laughs> it's funny. Um, quick rant. Uh, NBC is now the worldwide leader in sports coverage because it's almost impossible to keep up with which channel they're putting what sport on because you got IndyCar on NBC SN, then you got the Cup Race on NBC, and then you got to switch back over to NBC NBC SN for this. Oh, now we need to go to Peacock and watch this, and it stresses me out a little bit. Right. That's, that's all I have. About yeah. That. And, and, and yeah, start times for races you just never know what they're going to be night races you could get an idea that it's going to be around seven o'clock eastern other than that it's a cluster i mean i love nbc i think they do have the best coverage overall but it it just stresses me out and that's my rant 
<laughs> yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want to rant about J.R. Hildebrand or not. His tweet. What did he say? He, I, I think, <laughs> sent it. Okay, so he sent he. I think I sent this to you, but he sent a tweet that basically said the Jimmy Johnson headline reminds me of something I've been thinking about. Formula One is still where you go to see the most advanced motorsports product. NASCAR is where you go to see motorsports presented as entertainment. And IndyCar is where you go simply to see racers racing. Ew. Yes. Again, push to pass. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the... It's one of those things where if somebody wants to argue that IndyCar is a better racing series than Formula One or NASCAR, that's fine. They're perfectly within their rights to do that. My problem with it is that the way the argument is presented is it's it's not a sequential argument and it's kind of like a picture of one of the things that's wrong with a Twitter and B that we don't get right as a society. Um, and so it's like following his his argument there. The problem is that first off, it, it sparks basically it sparks the fire bef- between different forms of racing of which is better. Um, but ultimately, it's a bad argument because following like the argument sequentially F1 is the most advanced motorsports product. We've talked about that. Yeah, we would 100% agree. NASCAR is where motorsports is presented more as entertainment. And I think we'd agree with that too. NASCAR's talked about we want the cars racing closer together. We want more passing. We want all these things. So yeah, I would agree with that. If you then followed it up with an IndyCar is a balance between the two where you have oval and road courses, F1 elements and NASCAR elements, something like that would have been fine. And I've been like, yeah, you're right, J.R. Hildebrand. And it's the Jimmy Johnson's desire to experience a different form of racing. That would have been fine. But what he does is he uses like the, uh, um, the appeal to authority fallacy where he basically, or false authority, where he comes out and says that we not IndyCar, you got F1. It's cool. It's like the high, you know, height of performance. NASCAR is entertainment, but IndyCar, we are the pure ones we are the like the righteous ones you know and he comes out saying that we you know and so then he's making this argument of we are pure these other sports leagues are impure and then he followed it up with this tweet of i'm not trying to say one's right one's wrong one's better or worse it's just an observation of how they cross come across and what their appeal is and i'm just like man that's just something we do in society where if we don't rather than following a sequential argument we try and either knowingly or unknowingly insult our opponents rather than interact with the differences. Exactly. Um, you call them, you call them racist or bigoted or, you know, or a snowflake or a Marxist or something like that. And you just throw away their argument rather than interacting with it or following a sequential argument. And so that just made me really angry last week. Um, I was like, a part of me wanted to be like IndyCar is like F1 is it as advanced motorsports and NASCAR is presented as entertainment and F1s where like the MLS where people go after they retire to keep racing. I'm like, you could, that's basically the same element of the argument he was making, but that's also a bad argument because you're fact, fact, and then an insult or of some sort. And so that just drove me crazy. So don't be like J.R. Hildebrand. (laughs) Yeah, I'll keep on this real quick. He tries to cover his butt a little bit where someone said, so you're saying NASCAR drivers are not not racers? Okay. And he said, no, not at all. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. He says, 
after basically insulting NASCAR, he goes, I think NASCAR drivers are some of the best on the planet. Like, stick those dudes in anything and they'll haul ass. Real racers to the core. I'm just commenting on how I perceive the discipline from the outside. Yeah. No, you know, that's two He's, contradicting things in the same, in 140 characters. Right. Right. Mm, and I mean, <laughs> some of the other things too, like you talked about, you know, like the lucky dog or the free pass is a, a form of entertainment. I'm like, actually, the free pass was a safety innovation because they used to race back to the line. And they're like, we're going to stop doing that so we can get emergency crews out there as quickly as possible. But to kind of supplement what that would look like, we'll have this lucky dog pass um, or this free pass. So it's like yeah. bad arguments. But also, in any event. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that was my, my rant for today. That, was, that, that, was a really, that was a much better rant than mine. Uh, also, Formula One has a uh, lucky dog, if you will. <laughs> you know, because we see red flags every week now. Uh, mm-hmm. Kimi Raikkonen and one other driver got a free pass so they could get to the back of the field and not affect the uh, the start of the race. I was like, like, like we're at the restart um, of the grid. And I was like, huh. The more you know. They have their own free pass. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Well, folks, thanks for sticking with us if you've made it this far. We're at the 84-minute mark. Um, It's just been... We had a lot to cover today, Mm -hmm. and uh, which I'm surprised. I really didn't think we'd go this long, but... Eventually, we will soon reach a point where right now we have every sport going, and soon it'll be like just football in the Premier League, and we'll be like, wait, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then we'll, yeah, we'll have a two like a month and a half break and then the NHL will come back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it we'll take them as they come. Absolutely. With so. with that, I'm Nick and I'm Josh. And we'll see you guys later. Bye.